Gracious Lord, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Teach me, O Lord, the ways of your statutes, and I will keep them to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. We thank you, Lord. Come be our teacher, our guide. Give us understanding uh, for this, this lesson. And Lord, now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, we're, I think this is the end of the, the run of the men doing uh, teaching on prayer. This is the second book, and it's the last chapter in the book, chapter 11. Uh, it's John MacArthur's Alone with God, and the chapter's on praying for the lost. And in your handout, the first sheet covers what's in the chapter uh, in MacArthur's book, and then the other sheets is kind of stuff I kind of grabbed out from different sources uh, to make it more practical. We'll start out with the kind of the foundation where MacArthur really takes 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4, and expands on it. And, and the lesson is, is pretty much taken from, from this verse. So let's, uh, let me read the verse here and get us started. Paul's writing to Timothy. The, uh, Paul is uh, old right now, and he's uh, pastoring Timothy and giving him uh, advice here, and he says, first of all, then, I urge you that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high places, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. There's a lot in there, and we'll just we'll unpack it for this lesson. But to get our brains uh, going, uh, there's some quotes in the, in, the, in the book and some that I, I, I grabbed from other places. Um, Spurgeon says, you cannot bring souls to God if you do not go, go to God yourself. Before you speak, I heard this from Bill Bright, before you speak to a person about God, speak to God about that person. So if you're sharing your faith, before you talk to that person, talk to the Lord about that person, that he would uh, draw them and open up their heart to, to listen to the things that you would have to say. So I thought that was a good quote. And MacArthur is always uh, saying the central fo function of the church is evangelism, to, to reach the lost. And Moses, we go into the Old Testament, you see some intercessory prayer there, where Moses is praying for the uh, iniquity of his people and even Samuel, when we did this, the lesson on Samuel, he thought of not praying for someone a sin. Far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. Paul himself had a burden for Israel. If you read in, in Romans uh, chapter 9 and, and chapter 10, Apostle Paul says, Brethren, my heart's desire, my prayer to God for them is for their salvation. And even the Lord Jesus in, in the high priestly prayer in John 17, after he prayed for his disciples that were there, he says, I do not ask for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. And Whitfield, great evangelist, oh Lord, give me souls or take my soul. These are people that were fervent for the salvation of souls. And I like this quote from Henry, Henry Martin. I don't know who he was, but I, I, love, I love this quote. I cannot endure existence if Jesus is to be so dishonored. And you'll see this when you're sharing within your family or, or at work, that Christ is so dishonored because they don't know him. If they knew him, they would love him. But it's our job to, to bring them to Christ. And MacArthur says, God honors your prayers for the lost. Evangelism begins with prayer. Um, Nadja and I had a, the privilege a couple weeks ago to go down to Ocean City to help Chuck Harrison um, evangelize on the 
boardwalk of Ocean City. And um, what they did every night, he did it for seven nights. Now, he's 73 years old. And for seven nights, went out for hours. But before they went out, they gathered in a room, well, 15 of us, and prayed for one hour straight before we went out. So before going out to evangelize, we sought the Lord in, in, our, in help in our endeavor, that the Lord would be with us and, and be, uh, bring people to us and help in our evangelism. Now, in the lesson, uh, MacArthur kind of divided up this particular verse in 1 Timothy into four kind of themes, four categories. The nature of evangelistic, uh, evolu- uh, evangelistic <laughs> prayer, the scope of it, the benefit, and the reasons for it. Now, the first one here, the nature of the prayer, he takes out the word entreaties, which is also in ESV, uh, supplications. It's prayer that arises from a sense of need. Knowing what is lacking, we plead with God to supply it. As we look out at the masses of lost humanity, the enormity of the need should drive us to our knees in prayer. And this entreaty is knowing and pleading with God that we need his help. Um, again, I remember being a few a couple of years ago on the boardwalks of uh, Wildwood. If anybody was at Wildwood, it's a huge boardwalk. I remember standing in the middle and seeing thousands of people coming towards me as they're trying to give out tracts and trying to get some conversations. And that's what I thought about when I read this. As you look out at the masses of lost humanity, the enormity of the need that you cry out for God um, for help, it's just overwhelming. It's, it's really overwhelming. In prayers, um, for the loss is ultimately directed to God uh, for an act of worship, knowing he is he's worthy and he's worthy to answer our prayers because the salvation of sinners causes glory to him. One of the things for bringing people to Christ is to glorify him and to glorify the, the Father. And the, the third one here is uh, petitions, which we also get intercession uh, intercessory prayer. Uh, he says here the root word, the Greek root word comes from the word to fall in with someone, understanding the depths of their misery and pain and their coming doom. We cry out to God for the salvation of sinners. So it's our intercessory prayer for the person that does not know Christ. And he ends by saying thanksgiving. So in all things, give thanks. So it's a prayer of spirit of gratitude to God that the gospel offer is extended to all people, that we have the privilege to reaching the lost, privilege to praying for these people that do not know him, and that some would respond in faith and repentance. Now, the scope that MacArthur looks at in this particular um, verse, if you look at the your top of your, your, your um, paper here, you'll see the verse there. And it says that, with thanksgivings be made for all people, and the kings and who are in high places. So he's saying that you're praying for the loss, not just for your family members, maybe not just for your co-workers, but for all people. And I like, you know, on Wednesday nights, the uh, pastor is, is very diligent to encourage us to pray for our leaders, pray for the president, pray for our government, pray for our, our, our governor here. Um, so on behalf of all people, pray for their salvation. And for us to be loyal and submissive to our government, it says that, uh, that we lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way, that we, we don't lead a life that is rebellious, that we lead a quiet life. And I'll talk a little bit more about that when we get into the benefits. That God desires all to be saved, that that is his will. That's, he takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked that rather he delights in sinners that would turn and repent and come back to him. And the prayer for our salvation to encourage you that we're, we're really praying the will of God. It, it is consistent with God's heart. He grieves over people that reject him and are lost. Now the benefits of you praying, one, Paul says that 
so that you may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. So in other words, if I know for myself, if I'm praying for someone's salvation and it's within the family or at work, you really, it does encourage you to live a godly life because you're, you're living in front of them. You don't want to be a hypocrite. You don't, you don't want to be leading them to Christ and telling them to repent of their sins. And meanwhile, you're living in sin and you're living an ungodly uh, uh, life and have an ungodly character. So I know it changes me. I know when I'm tempted to sin and then I have to go out to evangelize, it's just like, I can't do that. And God's going to answer my prayer and help me with witnessing to somebody. So it really drives you uh, as, as one way God drives you to, to live that godly life. So that's one of the benefits of it. Also, it creates a social condition that is favorable for evangelistic. I just read in a paper yesterday that a guy is leading a home uh, Bible study in Arizona. And he was arrested, and this has been going on, I think, for the past year or two, having 20 people, 25, just like our home groups. He was arrested, and he's now spending 60 days in jail for having a Bible study in his house. They said it's against some kind of uh, building code to have you know, that many people, which is only 20, 25 people in the house. Anyway, um, but our, the benefit of our prayers are, are for us to, to honor uh, the government in, in that sense and not cause any problem. Now, obviously, you would use legal means. You don't just go and pick it and all that. You would use legal means and pray that the Lord would open it up. And, uh, because that, that certainly it seems like it's a violation of our rights there. Um, but anyway, it's, it's, it's coming. I'm, you see it all the time in the news that uh, people, you, you know, witnessing. If, if Rob was here, he would be able to tell you all the, he's been in, in prison, not prison, but jail for overnight for preaching the gospel. Um, so it's, it, they're cracking down, they're cracking down. So, uh, but we are to live a tranquil and quiet life and, and godliness and on our knees to pray that the Lord would open up um, the gospel so others would hear. And it says here, if we're persecuted, it must be for Christ's sake, for living a righteous life. If we're going to be persecuted, then we should be persecuted doing God's will. And this is something you have to keep in mind, too, as you're praying and in your witness. Although we may hate the evil world system that, the, that is the enemy of God, we are not to see those in it as our personal enemies. In other words, as, as much as they may ridicule you for your faith in Christ, that you don't count them as an enemy. They're an enemy of God at, at, at this point, that you're trying to be the ambassador to make peace, but, but you don't see them as an enemy. And I, I know I have to remind myself at the mall or on the beach, they, they really get under your skin and what they say, their looks and everything, and you tend to, to get in the flesh and to tend to start hating them and say, okay, you want to go to hell? Go, you know, because I'm going to hell and they're left. Then go, you know, but you, you really have to stop and, and ask the Lord to soften up your heart and give you the compassion. They're not our enemies. They're just by, only by the grace of God that we're saved, that we know them. So we want to extend that grace to others. And... Um, they're really captive by the real enemy, uh, Satan, and we'll talk about that a little later on. And again, they're not our enemies. I like what MacArthur says, they're our mission field. The mission field in our home, at our work, at our school, on the streets, wherever you go. Now, the reasons for evangelistic prayer um, really are doing God's will, uh, as he says in there, that God desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth about God. So it, it is God's will that people be saved. So that's, that's all the reason I need. Um, but you see God's heart. I tell people, if you want to know God and you want to see God, read the gospel. See Jesus. Jesus is God. Like he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And Jesus himself shows his heart as he lamented over Jerusalem in their unwilling hearts that they rejected him. Also, he told them in John 5, he says, You search the scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life. It is these that testify about me, but you are unwilling 
to come to me so that they may have life. So these, it's the stubborn will that these, these people will not come. And the greatest example of intercessory prayer you see in Isaiah 53 as it speaks about the Lord and his, his uh, crucifixion tells us that he interceded for the transgressions just like we are to intercede. Um, on the cross, he prayed, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. And that's, you've got to keep that mindset too as you're sharing. They really don't know what they're doing. Um, uh, my family, uh, one of my cousins, a shared few months ago, gave him some uh, DVDs to watch, Courageous and all them. Got them back months later saying, oh, they were good, but they're a little bit religious and too much faith going on in there. So that, I, I can't, and, and I read on our Facebook, they just went to uh, Orlando and they're excited to go to the Harry Potter exhibit and everything. I'm like, oh, that just, that means that I have to pray more. It's just not just you pray once and you go, oh, Lord, save them and whatever. You got to continually, and we're going to talk about that uh, when we get into the practical. Um, our earnest desire should match that of the Lord Jesus and of Paul, that we uh, ought to desire the salvation of all sinners. And we have to also acknowledge our responsibility as ambassadors for Christ. If you ha prayer is the first thing that you should be doing. But it shouldn't stop you from actually speaking to someone. Now, if that's someone, like I have my oldest son is in Fort Lauderdale. I don't have much contact with him. So my prayer would be to send somebody to him. So even though I can't speak to him, but I can pray that somebody else, would, the Lord would raise up a laborer to go and speak to that person. And that person could be you, could be anyone. Um, so we are to be ambassadors for Christ in addition to our prayer life. Now, to get into the practical end of it, how do you pray for the lost? Um, somebody, these four questions come from, from the book uh, just to give us a mindset of our, um, of our role in this. Do, you, do we realize the desperate condition of the lost that they're on? Now, I'll talk about that who we're praying for and what their condition is. And do we really want to see God glorified in the salvation of souls? And that we have sympathy and compelling reality of the lost souls, both for time and eternity. In other words, not just saving them so when they die they go to heaven, but saving them for now, for this life. I remember speaking to a, a PhD in Princeton, and he was like, he gave me the track back. He said, I'm not interested in this, dying and going to some heaven. He says, what do you got for me now? You know, so, you know, yeah, that he could die the next day, but he may live for 40, 50 years, and he's going to live without Christ. And um, God's not getting any glory out of that. So it is, salvation is now. You get a, God changes your heart. You get a new life. You live for Christ. You glorify the Father while you're here on earth. You reach lost souls. So, you know, your life is, is precious right now. So you don't have to wait till you die to, to, to enjoy uh, the Lord. And we should also be thankful that we have a gospel that we can extend to all. And it is a real privilege uh, in sharing it. Now, what are we up against? First, we have to understand the condition. And by understanding this, will help you be patient. Because when you share the gospel with somebody, you pray for them, you share, and they're just not getting it, they don't want to hear it, um, you don't understand, you get, you get frustrated. Um, I'm just going to read down this list, because a lot of you already are mature in, in knowledge, um, so you've got to see all these and resonate with them. But just as, as a reminder, when you go through this list, who you're speaking to and their condition. Then you understand why they're like looking at you with like a deer with uh, headlights. They have a sin nature, all right? Romans 5, they're born with a sin nature. They, are, they have rejected God, they ignore him, um, they neglect him. I mean, these days it's really, uh, the culture right now is, is God is not in vogue at all. He, so people may give him acknowledgement that he exists, that's about it. So, um, so they are rejecting uh, God today. They are certainly dead in their 
their sin, the wages of sin is death. They willfully walk in disobedience, obeying the prince of darkness. Um, another story from the shore, um, met a rock star. He said he was famous. Um, and he, he admitted that drugs and alcohol is, takes a toll on him. And I tried to present Christ, and he, he told me, do you know who Christ was? And I says, I know who he is. He says, do you know who Christ was? And I says, I know who he is. And he was like, so he was probably in his 50s, and he, he looked like in his 80s. I mean, he was really just wearing all the, the, the Satan shirt and everything. So I tried to present Christ as, because he said he, died, he almost died, and he saw the light. And I said, well, the light was Christ. You know, he says, I am the light. I am the way, the truth. And he just tried to preach Christ to him. But he's walking in, in, the, in the ways of, of darkness. Um, but he walked off. And, of course, you think later, all the things you could have said to him as he was there. I had a whole big conversation afterwards. But you, you really you say what you can say at, at the time. Um, the lost, the spiritually blind, serve their own desires in their mind and body. Every, you know, if you look at it, us, we are self-centered, serving ourselves and not serving God. Of course, they are separated and alienated by God. They're blinded by the gospel, by Satan himself. The God of this world is blind in the minds of the unbelievers. They're slaves to sin, as Jesus said. They lack unbelief. They don't even, you know, there is no God, um, is what you hear today. They need the grace of God. They need his kindness and his grace to lead them to repentance, to change your mind. They do not see sin as very sinful. I don't know if you guys have, last year we went through the, the way of the master, and I don't know if anybody has used that technique of, of uh, going through the law. And people really fight, you know, what's the big deal about lying and, and, and stealing and all this? They really don't see how utterly sinful they are, and we are. Um, because they don't know the character of God. They don't know how holy and perfect and righteous he is. So they just don't see sin as sinful. Unless, of course, they're sinned against. And that's that's one, one thing I, I try to keep in mind, and I, I fail to, to do it. But turn it around. Show them that their sin, uh, if someone lied to them or stole from them, how would you feel? And then, then they'll get a sense of the sinfulness of it when they are the offended and see how God sees as we, as we commit, uh, break his law a hundred times a minute. And as, as Jesus taught about the word, the, sown, uh, the seed of the word being sown, that uh, the, they choke it out, the word, with other interests. Um, another story I remember five, six years ago, speaking with my brother on the phone, witnessing to him, and I got him to a point where he, he sees that he's going to hell. And I said, doesn't that concern you? And he says, well, no. I have, I have so many troubles in this life. I have so much going on. You don't understand. The, the word was sown, but it's choked out by other interests. He was so concerned about his earthly possessions and his earthly troubles that he didn't know that he, his biggest trouble was God himself and his uh, separation from him. So, yeah, they, 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 this is their condition. So this is who you're talking to. And uh, if you can remember where, where you were before you came to Christ, this was you, and this was me. So how do we practically uh, pray for the lost? And I have a, a number of things here. Um, first off, it sounds simple, but it's really difficult. Pray believing, believing in the promises of God. It says here in Mark, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And that's Jesus speaking. And in 1 John it says, And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if anything we ask anything according to his will, and we know his will is salvation for, for all, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we asked of him. So here's a promise that you can hang your hat on by God, that, that we have confidence that God will answer our prayer. I don't know if anybody's here, but this, this, this I think, 
kind of resonates with myself and maybe many of you, where Jesus was saying, and it's awful, this was where the guy had the son and he was demon-possessed and he says that he was often cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you could do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Can you imagine being there? And then Jesus says, if you can, all things are possible for one who doubts. No, one who believes. And immediately the father of the, of the child cried out, I believe, help my unbelief. And, and that's, that's really what we need. If we're struggling and doubting that God would save somebody and just like, oh, they're so far off, there's no way they're going to come to Christ. You know, just hang your hat on the, on the promise that uh, whatever you ask in, in prayer and believe that and you will receive it and ask God to help your unbelief. Secondly, pray realizing that with God all things are possible. We can't save anybody. God has to save them. And as, as the, um, after I think the rich young, young ruler kind of ran off and, and, they, uh, and they were asking, and I think he told them it's, it's uh, about the money and the camel and the eye of the needle and the apostles were all astonished. And he said they were exceedingly, exceedingly astonished and said to, to him, Jesus, then who could be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, with man it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. So that's who we're praying to. That's who we're uh, asking for salvation for someone. And uh, so with God, all things are possible. And you see, when you're, you're sharing, you're sharing the scriptures. And Paul says, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollo watered. But who gave the growth? God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. And I like the last uh, part of this, for we are God's fellow workers. So we pray, we intercede, we ask, and God answers. Thirdly, that we pray earnestly for the Lord to raise up laborers into the harvest. Like I was mentioning, all those thousands of people at the boardwalk coming at me. It, if you're just standing there alone, you're just you're going to be trampled on. But it's, it's great to see that evangelists are being raised up. Uh, people here, even if you just share with your family members, your, 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 maybe your mother or father, your brother or sister, your, your children, people that are around you, um, you would be that laborer. And you don't have to go on the streets. You don't have to just start with your family. Um, so it does include you. And if you're too scared to share, just ask the Lord for, for confidence and, and for courage and uh, seek training. We have training here. Um, in Matthew 9, then it said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And also that this is a great prayer as you're going before you're going to uh, share is that you're asking the Lord that he may open up a door for the word of God. And um, also here you see, walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So when you're sharing with somebody, don't force it on them. Lovingly just share with them. Listen to them where they're at. Share with them. Pray as you're speaking. Pray before, pray during, pray after. Um, and like it says here, walk in wisdom. Ask the Lord for wisdom as you're, as you're sharing. But walk a godly walk in, in the front. Because once you share with them, they're going to be watching you. Watching you at work, watching you at home, uh, watching you on the streets. Um, Thursday night, Point Pleasant. Steve and I were there. Did, did you notice that there was a police officer standing right directly at us, looking at us for hours? He was, I, I kept looking, and he was still there. He was watching us seeing if we were going to be rowdy or whatever. He was watching us. Um, so those, that's a, a job of a laborer, is that to walk uh, in, a, in a godly manner. Fourthly, that we, we pray asking for a soul to be saved for God's glory. As uh, Jesus said here, whatever ye ask, shall ask in my name that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. We read in Revelation, worthy is the Lamb 
who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever that God would be glorified in the salvation of his soul. Fifthly, pray, we saw the condition of the lost sinner. Um, we pray that the Lord would awaken them. Um, here it says, indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that they will indeed hear, but never understand, indeed see, but never perceive. And it goes on about their heart being dull and, and growing dull, but that they would understand and if they hear and turn, I would heal, heal them. So for God to awake, O sleeper, and arise, as he says here, that the light may shine. So the light of the gospel in Ephesians 5, Paul says that by when anything is exposed to the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, he says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead. That word dead is the same word, sukos, that is dead in your sins. Arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So I love that verse. Uh, number six, knowing that Satan is involved. Um, when you think about this, you, you try to, there's a lot of people that have a, a Satan theology that seems to be extreme. But I don't think they're too far off. I mean, I, I think they, they ascribe too much power uh, to, to Satan, but I think we shouldn't swing the other way and just think that, well, he's just on a leash and he's, he, he's not uh, uh, doing anything. But uh, According to scripture, he is. It says, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but of divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. And of course, in Ephesians 6, he gives us that whole armor of God against uh, Satan. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. When you're sharing with Christ, and um, Steve was talking about this uh, coming back from Point Pleasant, um, and again, that, that offer is for everyone. It's all summer long. Anybody want to come down to the beach in the evening in Point Pleasant, let me know. And even if you want to stand there and pray, that's what we need. If you want, if you hand out tracts or whatever, you want to talk to people, please come. Um, but anyway, he mentioned that it just seems that every time you get them through the law and show them their, their condition before God and they're, they're separated and heading to hell and you start talking about Christ, and this happens at the mall too. It's says, oop, got to go. Well, wait a minute, you're in hell. Wait, you know, and, and they just, you get two minutes into it and they're, they're, they got to go. Or the fireworks went off or their phone goes off. Um, that's, not, that's not coincidental. It happened hundreds of times to me. It's not a coincidence um, that, that all of a sudden Satan goes, oh, you're going to exalt Christ now? Ding-a-ling-a-ling. And brings a phone, and there it is. Um, but anyway, just to, to, to keep in mind that uh, we, they are um, in bondage to, to Satan. Uh, pray persistently. I love this verse where Jesus um, and he told him and he told him a parable to this effect that they ought to always pray and not lose heart so we shouldn't lose heart when we don't see any progress in, in the person that we're sharing with the whole chapter of Luke 18 is, is parables on the teaching of prayer um, should not God avenge his own elect who cry day and night unto him though he bear long with them so 18 shows a great parables and teachings on persistent uh, prayer to keep knocking and pray without ceasing and give thanks in, in all these circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you now something a little bit practical getting deeper that was kind of like a, a category overview of how you would uh, pray for, for the lost this goes a little bit deeper into actually what your prayer would sound like. And the first thing you would ask the Lord to draw them to Christ. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and it will be taught by God. 
Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. And how does God draw sinners real quickly? Um, by his grace, by his loving kindness, his goodness to people. As Paul says, it's, it's the kindness and goodness of God that leads you to repentance. By the manifestation of truth as you share in the word of God. The Holy Spirit convicting of sin, judgment, and righteousness to come. That judgment to come. By appealing to man's self-interest, as you see in, in, I think in Matthew 10, Jesus says, fear him who can cast your body and soul into, into hell. So it's fear of hell, um, persuasion. And then on the flip side, Jesus is saying that the thief has come to destroy and kill, but I have come to give life and life abundantly. So you got kind of men's interest that God can persuade him with, a fear and also a delight to knowing God. Um, and the joy that is in, in Christ. Uh, encouraging godly sorrows, we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, that God would grant repentance to the Gentiles, that they would have a godly sorrow. Uh, by helping a willing, um, by helping a willing but weak faith. I met somebody just the other night too, said, I believe, but I have some doubts. You know, so uh, it, it just something that we need to pray for also um, and God uses that that they, they have doubts and then someone comes along as they ask questions and they, they feed them and they disciple them and that's one of the mechanisms God would draw them secondly that they would seek to know God in Deuteronomy it says but from there you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you search after him with all your heart and with all your soul and in Acts 17 Paul would say that they would they would seek God. Now he's talking to the Athenians. These are atheists or polytheists. That they would seek God and hope that they may find him. Feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he's not actually far from one of us. That they would believe the scriptures. Faith comes by hearing and hearing in the word of Christ. And Lydia. That the Lord opened her heart to pay attention. Pay attention to what, that, what was Paul was saying. That he was sharing the gospel. And Jesus said, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. They do not come into judgment, but pass from death to life. So these are the kind of things that you can pray about. And we're going to do that uh, to end out the lesson that we're going to partake in this, this kind of praying. That Satan would be prevented from blinding them from the truth. Uh, in Mark 4, it says, um, when he's talking about the, the, the seed and the word being planted, and these are the ones along the path which the word was sown. And when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel. Whoop, a dupe. Same verse. Uh, in 1 John 5, we know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. So we need the Holy Spirit, God, the third person of the Trinity, who gives life. Flesh has no avail. These words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. The scriptures have life eternal. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. And he will guide you into all truth. And he will glorify Christ. As you're speaking of the things of Christ, telling you who he is and what he has done for the sinner, glorifies him. And the Holy Spirit loves that and will fly in and, and use that to exalt Christ and bring them uh, to the truth. Six, that they would believe in Christ. They, that they would come to a point where they would see their need, their, their sinfulness, and a need for a Savior. And they would call upon him. Uh, Romans 10, 9. Uh, if they confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart, that God raised them up from the dead, they would be saved for the heart with the heart one believes and justified. Everyone who call, believes in him will not be put to shame. And it ends for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So you pray that they would get to a point and you talk to people and some people are at that point where they see their need. And I'm not one to do a sinner's prayer. I encourage them to go home and seek the Lord and, and, and pray and call out to the Lord uh, to save them. And that's what the jailer said. Sirs, what must we do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved, you and your household. 
uh, 7, that you pray that they would turn from sin, that they would repent, and that God's kindness, his goodness, uh, tell them about the grace of God, tell them about the kindness and the goodness of God, that he, he made you, he, he lavished his goodness on you, his grace, all those things, shame them into their sin of neglecting the God who created them for a relationship. Knowing God, as Pastor preached a few weeks ago, knowing God is what we're created for, to have a relationship with him. That they would repent and return, that their sins would be wiped out. That it would be a godly sorrow, not a sorrow, oh, I'm going to go to hell, I better just take this you know, salvation and, and uh, come to Christ because I don't want to go to hell. Well, that's a nice, it should be one fear that we have, but it should be that I don't want to be separated from the Lord that I want to come to Christ, a, a godly grief, that they sinned against God. Um, number eight, once they come to Christ, they made a profession that they would grow. Now, I'm running a little late, but I wanted to read this. Um, I got, on Father's Day, I got a card from my son, Ronald, who's 22 now. He's uh, living in Ohio, going to school there. And uh, he wrote me a Father's Day card and a quick background, in probably the last five or six years, I've been struggling, uh, praying for him and arguing with him and sharing the gospel and, and arguing um, about the existence of God and, and all these things that he finds out on the internet that he was using, that he was objecting. He wanted to believe that God existed. He was scared of hell. He wanted to believe, but he couldn't because of all these things uh, that he was reading on the internet and thought science, they had it all, all the answers. But this is what he um, read. I think. My glasses. And, and this is, goes to the subject here is once they turn to Christ, how our prayers then will change. And I'll talk about that. Happy Father's Day. Just want to thank you for everything you have done for me in my life and being such a great dad. Thank you for teaching me the most important thing in life, which is that Jesus Christ is the only, and he underlined it, way to have a relationship with God and to have eternal life and to spend that with God in heaven for all of eternity. Thank you for sharing, showing me the way. I will be forever grateful for that. I love you so much. Love, Ron. I mean, that's overnight. I, I almost gave up on him. Uh, just months ago, he's, I'm an atheist now. He was acknowledged, I'm an atheist, and that's it. So we, we faithfully kept praying and praying, and then, then I get out of the blue, I get a call from him, and he told me that he, he turned his life over to Christ. Now, for me, is not praying for his salvation, is now doing this, that, that once he, as the verse says here, therefore, once you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and build up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus. So it's now your prayer has changed, not only for salvation, now it's that he grow in sanctification, grow in love for the Lord, grow in knowledge, that his doubts that he still has would be extinguished by the knowledge of Christ. And to be conformed to the image of God. We're predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. And lastly, that not only to believe in Christ, but to follow him. Christ, you see it all uh, sprinkled throughout the scripture. Jesus says, and he was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me and a life I live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So this is following Christ. It's not just one belief. It's a, a, a daily relationship. So that's what you would pray for somebody that knows Christ. They may be immature and you pray that they would continue to follow him and to grow. I love this quote. Um, I think this is on your paper want to recommend this book. Um, if you have children of any age, they don't necessarily have to be prodigals, that they have to be out of the house to be a prodigal. There could be prodigals right in your house. Um, but this is taken by a book 
called Prayers for Prodigals. It's a daily devotional. I think it's 90 days or something like that. Each day, um, take some scripture, and they pray the scriptures. That's what I'm trying to encourage you here. In our prayers for salvation, it's not just, Lord, save them, period. It's, it's calling upon what we just did to, to draw them, to convict them of sin, to show them your kindness, to, all those things that you would pray the scriptures uh, for them. And here this quote says, our loved ones may spurn our appeals, reject our message, oppose our arguments, despise our persons, but they are helpless against our prayers. I love that. It just, it just builds up your confidence. That that's how you feel. They're rejecting your message. You're arguing. They're despising you. Now they're criticizing you in your walk, and, but they are helpless against his prayers. This was just an example of the book. I, uh, day 67, uh, when you're all prayed out, it says, you know, when you're just at your wit's end, who is he who condemns? Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who has raised him to life at the right hand of God, who is interceding for us. And then they go for the prayer. This is just a real quick example of praying the scriptures for someone's soul. Sometimes I feel too numb to pray, Father. It's not that I don't believe you answer prayer. I do believe. But sometimes when I pray and prayer, pray and don't see any change in my child, I lose heart. Please forgive me for my lack of faith and impatience, Lord. Help me to take your word to heart that we should always pray and not give up. And when the woman kept knocking at the door of the unjust judge, she got what she asked for. When a Canaanite woman pleaded with you for her daughter and the disciples tried to send her away, you did, you did grant the woman's request. When the man knocking at his friend's door after midnight, the friend wanted to go, him to go away, but you said because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as, as he needs. Help me to be bold, Lord, especially now. My daughter needs me to be, and I know you want me to be. I want to thank you that you help me to pray. I especially need that help right now. Thank you that you are at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. Holy Spirit, I praise you that you are praying for, for me and my child with groans that words cannot express. Lord Jesus, I thank you that my faith is lacking. You remain faithful. I praise you that faith as small as a mustard seed can move mountains. I have that. My faith may be small right now, but it's enough when I place it in your hands. So I place my daughter in your hands again, no matter how challenging things may be. You said it yourself. What is impossible with men is possible with God, and all things are possible with God. And I hold on to these promises right now and praise you that no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. I keep coming to you, Lord, and keep praying. How can I not? Your yes is all I need. So that's an example of praying for your daughter in this case, and you can change it to a son or any pronoun there. Um, but just gives you an example, as you see here, all scripture, praying the scriptures. Um, so let's, let's take the remaining 10 minutes. And if you look at the back of your sheet, you'll see my top 10 wanted list. And what this is, is to, I know I, I, I kind of uh, machine gunned the material, but that's why you could take this and, and absorb it uh, at your leisure. But in, in here, it's just giving you really praying the scriptures for salvation for your family members, co-workers, whoever is, is close. So in this list here, if you have a pen, in the remaining time, write down some of the names, uh, maybe family members, that you want to pray for to come to Christ. And so this would be your, your 10 most wanted list. Write their names down and start praying. And you can use, you see down at the bottom here, pray that the Lord would bring circumstances into their lives, that they, you know, pray that they would be empty inside, that they, God would remove the blind eyes, that give a faithful witness to show up, that the Holy Spirit would convict them and, and have an encounter with Christ. All these things you're specifically asking for the Lord to do, not just Lord save them, but uh, really using scripture to guide your request. Um, one last thing, I'm going to uh, ask the pastor and Dwayne, I can get this, I think it's only $2 uh, each. I just got it this week. Um, it's a guide to help you uh, pray the scriptures. 
and you can even put a little picture of the person you're praying for in here. But it, it has five themes on spiritual blindness, and then it tells you about it, and then it has all these things where you fill in their name and helps you pray the scriptures. So it's kind of a, a, a starter kit. Um, pray for heart surgery, that the Holy Spirit of God would, would plow up their stony heart and give them a heart of flesh. So they have you know, six or seven scriptures that you pray. So I'll get everyone a copy of this, if it's okay, um, and distribute next, next week. Um, so for the remaining time, take this list, write it down, and just go to the throne of grace and, and seek our, our Father and, and pray using these things here as a guide, that he would draw them, convict them, quicken their spirits, uh, that they would have faith and their eyes to be open, and that the word of God would break their, their stubborn will and their bondage to sin. So let's do that now. And uh, when you're done, I'll come back up and uh, close this in prayer. Close in prayer. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and a horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. In my distress, I call upon the Lord. To my God, I cry for help. From his temple, he hears my voice, and my cry to him reached his ears. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes boast in the Lord. Let, it, let the humble hear and be glad. O oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and delivered me from all my fears. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations and forever. Lord, take this lesson, help these people uh, get a fervent, fervency for prayer to you to seek the, the salvation of the lost within their families and, and all around. And Lord, give them that courage and that boldness and, and the love and help them to be godly as they share. And uh, Lord, we thank you for the spiritual food that you have given us. And we also pray for the fellowship hall food and bless it to our bodies. We thank you, Lord. We love you. In Christ we pray. Amen.